Welcome, everyone, to the Theology Central Podcast. It is Sunday, December the 19th, 2021. It is currently 5.36 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the empty sanctuary of Victory Baptist Church located right here in Ovalo, Texas. If you can, if you have the ability, if you can open a Bible to Matthew chapter 15, Matthew chapter 15. And Matthew chapter 15, if you go to verse 12, all right, Matthew chapter 15, verse 12, the disciples come to Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 15, verse 12. The disciples come to Jesus and they said unto him, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? So the disciples come to Jesus like, hey, I don't know if you know this, but the Pharisees are greatly offended by what was said. They're upset. They are offended. But he answered unto them. This is what Jesus says to his disciples in regards to them pointing out the fact that the Pharisees are upset. Every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. But verse 14 is what I want to focus on. Let them alone. Just leave them alone. Leave the Pharisees alone. Just stop worrying about them. Leave them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. If the blind is leading the blind, they will both fall into the ditch. Nobody wants to be in that situation. You don't want a blind leader. You don't want to be blind because no one wants to fall into the ditch. Nobody wants to find themselves there. You want to be able to see. You want leaders who will see and you yourself want to be able to see so that you can avoid the ditch. Now, here is a very important question. Since the beginning of the COVID pandemic, do you feel the church has been leaders who have great eyesight? Or do you think the church has been blind leaders? And do you think Christians at large have been people with great sight? Or do you think they have been blind? When it comes to the pandemic, let's not worry about the world. Let's not worry about what the world is doing, what the world is saying, what the world is claiming. For those of us who profess the name of Christ, Do you think we have demonstrated great eyesight and that we have led people correctly? Or do you think the church is partially responsible of leading people into a ditch? Now, everyone's going to have a different perspective. Some people say, no, 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 no. Some churches have been blinded. Some churches have led people into a ditch. And really, there's going to be basically two camps. Here's camp number one. Well, if the church took the pandemic seriously, they they uh, limited how many people could come into a service. They may have closed down. They may have went to, to us, you know, live streaming instead of in-person services. That When they did have services, they encouraged, you know, they, they, they made sure that people had a mask on. They social distanced. They, they limit how many people were there. Yet those, those leaders were not blind. And the people who went along with that, they were not blind. 
That, that's how some Christians are going to respond. Those, Christ, those spiritual leaders who took it seriously, took the precautions, encouraged people to get the vaccine. They've done everything they can to protect people, to try to preserve life, to try to demonstrate love for neighbor. Love. Some people would say, yo, those, those leaders had good eyesight. Others would say, absolutely not. In fact, I have seen this on a number of websites and discussions that basically if you go to a church where the pastor ended in-person services, that person, that pastor is not a shepherd. He is a wolf. He is of Satan. He is evil. You need to leave that church immediately because they're ungodly and they need to be condemned and don't have anything to do with it. And anybody who goes to that church is probably not a Christian. I have seen that. So, so you really have, you've got the churches that closed everything down, took it seriously, did all of, took all of those precautions. And some people will say those churches have people who could see it. Some people would say, nope, those churches are, are, have blind leaders and blind people and they're not even saved. Right. And then on the other side, you'll have churches who will be like, look, we're not following any other precautions. We're not shutting down. We're not wearing masks. We're not doing social distancing. We're going to have in-person services. And if we have 900 people here, we'll have 900 people here. We're not going to change anything because we have faith over fear. They, some people would say, see those churches, they have people with good eyesight. Those are not blind leaders. Those are not blind people. Nobody in that church is going to fall into a ditch. Everybody on the other side would be like, no, 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 no. Those are blind leaders. So you even, you basically you have two camps within Christianity. No, this is serious. We got to take precautions. We got to do everything we can or nope, we're not listening to any of that. We're going to maintain church services no matter what. Really two camps. Which camp has the best eyesight? Which camp is filled with a bunch of blind people? And which camp is leading people into a ditch? Sadly, what we do know is that there is great division within the church. What we do know that in some churches, if you go in and you're like, look, I'm at high risk for this. I need to wear a mask. It would be really nice if the other people in my church would wear a mask so that I would not be put in danger. But hey, uh, but if you go in and say, look, I need to wear a mask. Are we going to do social distancing? Immediately, you may be looked upon as you don't have any faith. You're ungodly. You're a liberal. You're probably a communist. You're probably a Marxist. You're probably going to try to blow up the church. And you're going to be viewed as, as somehow not spiritual because you're like, look, I, I think we need to take some precautions. All right. So that, that, that puts you like, well, what, what do I do? What, what do I do? I, I can't even feel like I, I can go to church because if, if, unless I, I, I go along with, you know, not wearing the mask. So a lot of people, depending on what, like some people will go to a church where everyone's wearing a mask and social distancing and they'll be like, look, I think all of you are a bunch of cowards and you're a bunch of liberals and you, they don't feel comfortable in that church. Like there's some people who go to church and they want to wear a mask. They want social distancing because they think it's not only is it important for their health. They think it's important for everyone's health. Health. They won't feel welcomed in the church. You've got other people who don't think anyone should wear a mask. You shouldn't cancel any church service. They won't feel welcomed. So what has happened is that for many within Christianity, they no longer feel welcomed in their own church, not because of doctrine, not because of theology, but because of COVID. That is sad 
that people feel like, I, I don't feel like I can go to that church anymore. I don't. And churches are dividing and people are leaving churches, again, not because of doctrine, not because of theology, not because of the Bible, but because of COVID. Now, I know what some people say. No, our stance is Bible. Our stance is theology. And if you don't go along with our stance, then you're not biblical, you're not theological, and you're probably of Satan. And I know I'm using a little bit of hyperbole, but just a very little, because I've seen some absolutely absurd things said about different churches in regards to this subject. So in some ways, it's things that become so divisive, so much division, that I think in many cases, it feels like everyone is blind. And we're all, not only are we all headed to the ditch, we've all crashed into the ditch. In fact, it's not even a ditch. It's a cliff. We're, and we've fallen off the cliff. The car has exploded. Then the cliff collapsed in on top of the car. Then a flood came in and then a nuclear bomb hit. And there's nothing left except pieces because we've all hurt ourselves, hurt the name of Christ. And it's been an absolute and total train wreck and a mess. Okay. I don't know how, how, how descriptive I can get, but that's what it feels like. And it's just, nobody seems happy. Everyone seems angry and everyone seems to think that their side is the godly side and that other side, they're pathetic. And it's just amazing that a pandemic didn't bring Christians together. The pandemic divided churches. That is sad. And when, and so, so in other words, while we're fighting each other, why would the world in a time of great darkness they don't see any light coming from the church because all they can hear is the gunshots going on inside the church, figuratively speaking, while we're shooting each other because we can't agree on what to do during a pandemic. They're like, okay, so we're, we're in complete confusion and darkness here. We're, we're scared. We're worried. We don't know if we're going to live. We don't know if we're going to die. We don't know what's going to happen to our jobs. We don't know. And they're like, okay, how about what's going on in the church? Oh, you don't want to go there. Oh, trust me. You just don't want to go to the church. Why? Because those people can't agree on anything. They're fighting. They're arguing. They're divided. It's, it's just don't, don't, don't go there. Where should I go? I don't know. I don't know. There's probably, there's probably some false religion somewhere that will offer you more peace and comfort in a time of a pandemic than Christianity. And I know you're saying that's absurd. No, it's not because there's been nothing but fighting and arguing within the body of Christ over it. So here's the question. What's next? I don't know if you realize this. COVID's not over. We may be done with COVID. COVID is not done with us. We may be done with all the COVID variants, but the variants are not done with us. Situation is once again going to get worse. And once again, the church is going to be faced with many decisions. Are we going to be the blind leading the blind? Or are we going to have any kind of spiritual eyesight to help people? And I've, I've gotten the emails of people who are just like, I don't know what to do. I can't go to my church. They don't, they're not willing to do anything. And I have this medical issue and this medical issue, and I can't get COVID. And they don't seem to care. They seem more interested in making a point than they end up protecting anyone's life. And I got other people going, look, my church is wearing masks and they're a bunch of cowards. And I can't go to that church. And you're like, so nobody can, I mean, basically it's like church has to do it their way. And if it doesn't go their way, then it's the highway. And then some people are like, well, and why would the church not be willing to do everything they could to protect as many people as they could? It's just crazy. All, all of the, 
the things. And I think many pastors are just like, I don't know what to do. It's, it's a time bomb. No matter what I do. No, no, no this is the, the thing. No matter what a pastor does in the middle of the COVID situation, about 50% of the congregation is going to disagree. It's a no-win situation. It's, it's just, and people are leaving their churches during the pandemic. It's just, it's not a good situation. And sadly, here we are, December, what, 19th, 2021? And we've got to talk about it again. And I don't want to talk about this, but we have to talk about what's next. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read you some news headlines just to show you why we have to talk about it. Then I'm going to play a little of two things that I want you to go listen to. Both things that I'm going to play a little bit for you are available on the TheologyCentral.net blog, TheologyCentral.net blog section. One comes from secular media talking about what's going on, and the other one comes from Sermon Audio, where a pastor feels like that, well, they need to issue, uh, the church needs to issue a COVID apology to America. Do we need to apologize? What, 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 what does he think we need to apologize for? I just want you to hear the different perspectives, and I want you to start thinking, what is next? What is next for you as a Christian? What, what, what are you going to do? How are you going to move forward? Are you going to demonstrate that you have spiritual eyesight? Or are you going to demonstrate that you're blind? Are, are the Christian podcasts and churches, are we going to demonstrate that we have spiritual eyesight? Are we going to dem- demonstrate that we're blind and we're just going to leave everyone into a ditch? That's where we're just going to move every. I don't, I mean, I feel like that's where we're, we're leading everyone into the church, into the ditch. And if the world looks to us, they're going to go into the same ditch. And there's got to be, no, we're supposed to be light. We're supposed to be light right now. Here in West Texas, it, I'm looking out the window. It's starting, it's slowly but surely starting to get dark. It'll be dark probably next 10, 15 minutes. And guess what? As people drive by here in the middle of nowhere, it's dark out there. But they're going to see the, the lights from the windows here of the church. They're going to see that, oh, there's someone inside that church building here in, in the dark middle of nowhere, Texas. Well, yeah, that, they're going to see the physical light. But do they see any actual light of wisdom of, of any spiritual light coming from the church? Or they're like, you know what? They're just as divided and fighting as the world is fighting right now. There's all kinds of fighting. I mean, uh, my daughter works for American Airlines. She can tell you stories about, I was going to say patients because of all the years working in the medical world, not patients, passengers. There we go. Passengers just acting insane, yelling, screaming, physical assaults, all because they're told to wear a mask. They're just losing their minds, just screaming and yelling. And you're just like, what? That, that, now look, I don't, I expect nothing less from the world, but the church, really the church, we, we can't, are, are we, are we any better off? Maybe we do owe an apology to everyone. I don't know. I think maybe there, there's going to be differences in opinions of what we should be apologizing for. But here's just to show you what is going on. All right. Here are all headlines from today, Sunday, December the 19th. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Biden to address the nation on Tuesday. So President Biden feels like he needs to address the nation all about COVID because the situation currently is starting to get worse and worse and worse. All right. There is a scramble for tests because many locations are completely out of test. Therefore, nobody can be tested. So we don't know what the situation is in those particular areas. Schools close doors again. An entire news story about all the different schools that are going back to virtual learning. They're closing their doors. We're right back at the beginning of 2020. CNN shutters offices. Restaurants are anxious. 
Saturday Night Live struggles without crowd music. Most of the cast uh, are, are also gone after an outbreak. Hospitals struggle as beds fill. All right. Um, uh, New York Times, most of the world's shots likely won't prevent disease. Infections sweep Europe. London, major incident. Denmark, toughest month just beginning. Netherlands, Christmas lockdown. Israel set to ban travel to the United States. Toronto limits indoor gatherings. Hollywood braces. Omicron grips the nation. USA, America fears one million cases a day. That's what they're now possibly predicting, that we're going to see a million cases of COVID every single day. Now, you can say, but most of them won't be severe. If you're getting a million cases a day, if you just take a small percentage of that million, you overwhelm the healthcare system. That's what I continue to say is the main focus. If hospitals are overwhelmed in your area and you need that hospital, you need that ICU bed They have to ration care, turn people away, or try to transfer people to different hospitals. That is problematic, and that puts people's lives at risk. Those are all the headlines just from today. What what is next? What, What are we looking at? What is going to happen? All right, so here's what we're going to do. First, we're going to listen to uh, the daily podcast. Uh, which I think comes from the New York Times. Now, I know some of you are like, liberal, liberal, liberal. I just want you to hear different perspectives. I want you to hear different perspectives. We're going to play just a little of this. I've embedded this episode, theologycentral.net, the blog section, or you can just subscribe to The Daily wherever you get your podcast. At least look up this episode and at least listen to it, right? Just at least know, because they try to answer the question, what to expect or what should we expect from this new phase of the pandemic. What can we expect? What should we be looking out for? I want you to hear some of their discussion, and then I want you to go listen to the rest, and then we'll switch from that perspective. We'll go to Sermon Audio to the featured sermon of the day. The featured sermon of the day on Sermon Audio is about apologizing to America in regards to COVID. Now, what, what are we going to hear on a sermon website about COVID? This is going to give us insight into maybe what we're looking for to as far as the church's response moving forward. What, what is the world saying about where we're headed? And what is the church indicating where we are heading? That's what we're going to attempt to see. What is the world saying? What is someone in the church saying? Who is the featured sermon who now has over 2,000 downloads or streams? Now, that, I, that is still incredibly small because I remember way back in the day, if you had the featured sermon on Sermon Audio, you were talking like 10,000, 15,000 downloads and streams. The world has changed dramatically now uh, for, a lot, for a lot of reasons, uh, but uh, we could get into how it's, a lot of things have changed with, with Sermon Audio. But, uh, and I'm not, saying, I'm not saying changed in a bad way. I'm saying that people get their podcasts from so many different sources that used to be Sermon Audio was like, okay, here, but now you can get, in many cases, you can get those same uh, messages on other platforms. So it, it lessens the numbers. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying say anything bad. I'm just saying that there's a, the reality of how things work now. But so let's go listen to what the world is saying. And then we'll go listen to what the church is saying. And then I'll throw in my thoughts and my perspective. Where are we headed? I I think what we've seen is division, division, division. I think we've seen 
And again, it's just so sad that that's the way it works. If your church takes it serious and takes precautions, you're liberal and you're ungodly. Uh, and then the other side is we're not going to do anything. And they're supposedly the ones that are faithful and, and godly. However, there are people who accuse them of being ungodly or uncaring as well. In other words, accusations are going both ways and back and forth. And it's just it's just a, a sad situation for the church. And many people are just frustrated and like, forget it. Just, you know what? I'll just stay home. I'm tired of dealing with all of this. And I can understand some of that frustration, but let's, let's listen to a little bit of the daily. Here we go. From the New York Times, I'm Michael Bavaro. This is The Daily. Today, as infections once again surge, what we're learning about the Omicron variant and a new treatment for COVID, and what both could mean for the next phase of the pandemic. I spoke with my colleague, science reporter Carl Zimmer. It's Friday, December 17th. So, Carl... Okay, I just have to I have to laugh uh, because this is just so crazy. It, it, again, it feels like 2020. All right, so they're getting ready to go into it. And again, I just want you to at least know this is out there. The goal here is not to review all of it. It's just to give you a little taste of it, and then you can go listen to it for yourself. But literally, while that is playing, I get an email notification. Breaking news. COVID-19 outbreak reported on Royal Caribbean cruise despite fully vaccinated adult passengers. Now, this is one of the concerns is we're going to have these outbreaks, even though people are vaccinated because, well, Omicron, is, is, is it going to be stopped by the vaccine? There's all, right now, there's a lot of darkness and confusion. And a lot, can I say a little bit of blindness because there's a lot of unknowns. In many cases, I, I hate to see this, Omicron really feels like we're starting over. Remember at the beginning of the pandemic, COVID-19 was a, novel corona a novel coronavirus in other words new something we had not seen before so that means there was going to be lots of confusion and questions and there's been lots of confusion and questions through a lot of this because they've been trying to figure it out that's not a lot of people use that as to try to prove some grand conspiracy you know it's it's something new they're trying to figure out so they're going we should do this well wait no no we should do this you've got to allow for a little bit of that you wish they could figure it out immediately but now I just get her. I mean, this is just literally breaking news. There's an outbreak on a cruise ship. Remember how all that was going on in 2020, right? And and all of the people are fully vaccinated. Now I don't I I don't, I don't I'm not going to take anything from that. It's just it's just like literally I'm sitting here in front of a microphone trying to talk about this, and news is breaking about the situation as I am talking. And that's what it's going to feel like for the next four to eight weeks. I think eight weeks. It's just going to be crazy. It's just going to be one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. And it's, and then what, how is the church going to respond? How are you going to respond? How is your family going to respond? Let's listen. Carl, the last time we devoted an episode to the pandemic, the Omicron variant had just emerged. And our colleague, Apoorva Mondavili, told us that when it came to the big questions about this variant, how contagious is it? How good is it at evading vaccines? How sick might it make us? We had to wait. We had to wait a couple of weeks. And we, we did that. We patiently waited. But now we demand answers. So what do you know? Well, 
if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, you're probably going to be in good shape when it comes to fending off the variant. If you're not, then the picture's more complicated. What do you mean? Well, we know that Omicron is really contagious. Uh, it's about two to three times as likely to infect people as the Delta variant. Wow. We're seeing that in case after case. So, for example, in Norway, there was a Christmas party on December 8th, and there were 111 people at the party. They had all tested negative before going to the party, all hmm. vaccinated. 80 people came away from the party infected. Wow. With Omicron. Yes, with Omicron. All the tests that they've done turn up Omicron. So this was Omicron hitting about 70% of people at a single party. Okay. And then in the United Kingdom, scientists would take a look at people who are infected with Omicron and just test the people who live with them in their house. Again, they would find that people were much more likely to be getting infected in that same house as they had been with Delta about two to three times. So again and again, we can see that, yeah, this thing is really contagious. And, and eventually that started to become clear when countries start counting as many of the Omicron cases as they could. And they realized that Omicron was doubling every two to four days. Hmm. So we don't know if Omicron is going to completely take over in all places, but it certainly is headed that way. But this isn't just going to be a replacement. You know, in the United States, it's about 120,000 cases a day. It's not like we're going to swap 120,000 Delta cases for 120,000 Omicron cases. Omicron is going to keep expanding. So you're going to have more cases. That's very important to understand. You're going to have the Delta cases, you're going to have the Omicron cases, and it's going to be more and more people being affected. Now, you can say, well, but the, the death rate's going to be small. You can, you, I, I'm, I'm not here to argue with all of the crazy arguments that everybody wants to put forth. Here's the issue. The greater number of people infected, the greater number of people who need hospitals. The greater number of people infected, the greater number of people who die. It still may be a small percentage relatively compared to whatever you want to randomly compare it to, but it's still people dying. And also make sure you understand when you say, well, this many people die of this. Yeah, those people will still die of that. And then on top of those people dying of whatever random thing you choose to compare COVID to, people will be dying from that. And on top of those deaths, will be the COVID deaths. They will be additional deaths. I don't know why we minimize the death of people going, well, more people die from this. Well, you know, hey, your, your child just died because of a drunk driver. Yeah, but you know how many people die every year of the flu? It, it, it doesn't matter. No, no, every death matters because, you know, we're pro-life. Remember, remember, okay, I forgot. No, we're not pro-life. Okay, we're only pro-life when it comes to abortion, not when it comes to COVID. So, the, the fact is, more pe it's, it seems to be more contagious. That means it's going to be far easier for people to get two to three times more, more infectious than Delta. That, that seems to be the common thing I keep hearing from multiple sources. That's not good. It seems to spread rapidly. Uh, it seems to be doubling. They say two to four days. I think now I've heard it's down to one and a half to two to three days. It's doubling. So more and more people are getting infected and it's spreading like wildfire. So it's going to be a concern 
And you can either minimize the concern, but let's make it very clear. Even before we get to Omicron, before we even get there, let's make sure we remember something. Over 800,000 people have died in the United States alone. Millions have died globally. Now you can say, well, more people died from this or more people died from this. You, You can go point to everything. These are people dying on top of everything you point to. So that is a that is a tragic, horrible thing. It's not just numbers, it's human beings, fathers, mothers, daughters, brothers, sisters. It's it's sons, it's it's every kind of relationship you can think of, okay? You name the relationship, people are losing loved ones. That is horrible and that is tragic. Now, my question is, what should be a Christian response in a time of tragedy, of death, and of suffering? What should be our primary focus? What should be our primary focus? Fighting some battle or trying to minister to people and being light and and, and being a place where they can hear the gospel and, and pointing them to things related to eternity? What should be our focus? So these are all troubling signs. Let's listen just just a a little bit longer. Because it's more contagious. And it keeps doubling. And that doubling we're now seeing in the United States. The first case of Omicron was identified on December 1st. That was the first time we even had Omicron in this country. And now... Where I live in Connecticut, for example, scientists are tracking Omicron and they're seeing it doubling less than every four days. And they're predicting, at least here in Connecticut, it's going to be dominant uh, before Christmas. In Washington state, they're seeing similar patterns there as well. And so likely it's happening across the country. Right now, it might be just a few percent nationwide, but it's actually much higher in in some regions. So in New Jersey and New York, Mm -hmm. the White House said on Wednesday that it was already up to 13 percent. So think Mm -hmm. about that, 13% with a doubling every two to four days. So that's already on track to dominance very soon. Right, because if it's 13% on Thursday, by Saturday it could be 26%. By Monday it could be 52%. On and on and on it goes. Up to 100. So, Carl, the rapidity of the spread... It seems to be telling us something about this variant's ability to evade vaccines, right? So what have we learned about that in the last two weeks or so? So what scientists have been doing is they have actually been taking blood from people who have been vaccinated and they have mixed their antibodies. Okay, they get into a very interesting discussion about some of the testing. You should definitely go listen to it, but it is spreading. There is concern of it being able to, that like being vaccinated with the two vaccines, that's not going to be sufficient. You're going to need a booster. And I know a lot of people say, see, 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 it's all a grand conspiracy. Look, if it's, if it's not, if it's, if the vaccines are not protecting and you're going to get sick, well, then what do you do? I mean, like, like what, I, what I keep getting so frustrated about some of the discussions is some of the people's attitude is no social distancing, no mask, no vaccine, do nothing, just do absolutely nothing. 
And that's just a weird perspective to me. Like, like if someone, like I'm sitting here in the church in the middle of nowhere, Texas, if someone come run to the door, boom, 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 boom. Hey, there's a fire about five miles down the road. It's already killed five people. Okay. Well, I need your help. Oh, look, man, you know how, you know how many people die a year from other things? I mean, come on. A fire is not that that big a deal, right? So I just don't think we should do anything. What, you don't think we should? No, nothing. I don't think we should call firemen. I don't think we should use water. I, don't, I mean, we got to save water for, for more important things. I don't think we should be trying to make a fire line because we got to save trees. I just don't think, I just think we just let it run its course and however many people die, they die. All right? So, okay, thanks for coming, but I, 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 got, I got a podcast to do, so you go ahead and leave. Now, people would say, how callous, how 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 dumb, how foolish. You've got to do something. It's a fire. Well, I think a pandemic that has spread around the world that's killed millions of people globally and 800,000 in this country, I think we can classify that as an out-of-control wildfire. Now, all I ever hear is do nothing. It's all fake. Do nothing. It's like, la, 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 la. It doesn't exist. 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 Do nothing. Do nothing. Do nothing. I don't understand the do nothing. Not going to social distance. Nope, nope, not going to do that. Not going to wear a mask. Nope, not going to do that. Okay. Vaccine. Nope, not going to do that. So what would you like to do? Nothing. Nothing. Just absolutely nothing. More people die of something else. Okay. All right. That's, I I just want you to know you get an award for logic. That's right up there. And I just want to make sure that we take, if your child goes missing, I just want you to know that I'm going to apply. Hey, you know what? Uh, A lot of kids die from other, the kids die from other things far greater than from being kidnapped. So you know what? I just say we do nothing. I don't think we should dedicate resources looking for your child because there's other issues that are far more pressing. I don't think we, no, you're like, no, drop everything. Find my child. Oh, okay. Right. Right. Because whenever someone's in danger and there's death, we do what we can to try to limit, save, protect. So it's just a weird mentality. Like we don't want a vaccine. We don't want mask. We don't want social distancing. We don't want lockdowns. We don't want anything because it's not real. Okay. All right. Well, that wildfire is not real. Your, your, your kid being kidnapped, not real. Okay, there's no, nothing is real, right? We don't need the police because crime is not real. Let's just defund the police. We don't need the police. Uh, We don't need, illegal immigration is not a real thing. So we don't need border control. Let's just eliminate everything and just say it's not, just saying that it's not real doesn't make something not real. Limiting the threat because you compare it to something of greater danger doesn't limit the threat that that poses. Even if you say, well, it's, it's, it's smaller threat, it's still a threat. And when is it going to go away? How many people have to die? Now, I don't know what the answers are, but I'm just saying that this is, there is great concern here. I don't know where it's going. I don't know what's next, but what should our response be? What what should the Christian response be? Again, I've said this so many times. Let me say it again. Here are the basic guidelines for the Christian approach to this. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Those, those are basic. Put others before yourself. Okay? Deny yourself. Die to self. And don't follow yourself. Follow Christ. Now, if I'm thinking about this, that means I'm putting, I'm not putting the emphasis on my rights. I'm not putting the emphasis on my freedoms. I'm putting the emphasis on other people. Loving them, I think trying to protect them and preserving life is a good one. Now, I'm not saying there aren't issues to be considered, right? 
I'm not saying there aren't issues to be considered, but here it 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 it, it seems to there it's always either or. Here, like for, let me give you an example. Okay, hey churches, you can have church service. Here's what you need to do: wear a mask, social distance, and limit limit the number of people who can be inside your building to, you know, ten percent, fifteen percent. And here's what I hear: absolutely not. We're not going to follow any of those rules. So it's it's either or. It's like no rules. But they're not willing to, to do anything. It's, it's, it's just weird. It's like, I'm not going to follow anything. Well, wait a minute. You can still have church, right? It didn't say you can't have 10 services in a day. You just have 10 services in a day. You just limit each service to a smaller number of people and everyone can still have church. They didn't say you couldn't have church service on a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday. You could have church every day of the week. Increase the number of services. Give people greater opportunity to attend just in smaller numbers. Do a church service in the morning. Do a church service in the afternoon. Do a church service in the evening. Do three a day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do an early morning, afternoon, early evening, and late at night. Have church around the clock. Just limit the number of people, wear a mask. And whenever I say that, people are like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So, so what's your, 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 your view is don't do anything. No precautions. Don't do anything. It just seems like a weird person. Like it, it's like, there's not even the room for compromise. Now I understand if they say, that's it. You can't do anything. We're going to just stop everything. And maybe you're like, well, wait a minute. I don't think you can tell me that we can't worship. Okay. I can understand maybe one, but you can't work in some way. You can't say, okay, look, you don't think church is essential. We do. How can we do church so that we can work with you to do our best to protect the community and be a good testimony to the community that we want them to have a place of worship because we think it's important and to demonstrate that we also care about everyone's safety, that we are not the source of a massive COVID spread or to put anyone at risk. How can we, how can we accommodate? But it's like, no, it's like, we just refuse to do anything. It's, it's, a lot of times the church has acted to me like teenagers, right? Hey, I want to go to this party, mom and dad, and I don't want to come home till 2 a.m. no. Here's what we're going to have to do. You can go to the party, but you need to have your phone on. And I'm going to call you about once every two hours, and you're going to have to come home at midnight. Well, then forget it. I'm just not going to go. If you're going to make me do all of that, I'm just not going to go. I'm not going to go. Well, okay. All right. Go sit in your room and pout like a two-year-old. Okay. Or you can go and have fun. The church is like, oh, wait, you're telling me that I can't, we have to do, I'm not, we're just, we, we just, we're not going to do anything. We're just, now, other than the teenager not being able to go to the party, we're just going to like, we're going to go to the party and do what we want anyway, because we're not going to follow any of the rules placed upon us. Now, again, it's one thing to go, I'm a little concerned that it's government overreach. I can understand that. I can definitely understand that. But what can we do in the meantime to ensure that we're doing what we can? It just seems it's either or. This is a serious situation. I don't know how bad it's going to get. It's spreading. It's doubling. It's clearly easier to be infected with it. Those seem to all be absolute facts. What we don't know is, is it more, does does it create greater sickness? We don't know that yet. There's still much dispute. Most say that it doesn't. We don't, don't, I'm going to put that as a big question mark. There's a lot to figure out. I know this. I can't speak for you. I don't want it. I can't get vaccinated. I can't get one vaccine. I can't get two. I can't get a booster. I cannot get anything. And if 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 someone has a Christmas party and that many people are infected, 
I don't want it. I don't. I, you can say, well, you're a coward. Well, maybe you say it. I'm a coward. I don't want it. I don't want the flu. I don't want a cold. I don't want anything. Okay. I don't want it. I want to be healthy. All right. And so that's why when I worked in the medical world during flu season, I took every precaution needed to be t- take. I put mask on people, hand sanitizer stations, separate uh, waiting rooms. So people who had flu-like symptoms had to be co- basically quarantined in their own waiting room so we could keep them away from other people there who were there for other things. Everything we could to prevent the spread of it so that people didn't get it and try to protect the staff. Oh, Oh, wow. But that, there was nothing controversial about any of that. Nobody got mad. Nobody said, oh, oh you know, you're going to be placed in a concentration camp. You're Nazis. It was like these are basic medical things that we try to do to prevent it. It's just crazy that this is where we are. And I feel the church is going to find itself constantly fighting about it. But there, there is the daily. Go listen to it. Down, uh, subscribe to the podcast, the daily. Go to theologycentral.net. The episode's already embedded there. All you have to do is hit play. There you go. We only made it a few minutes in. Listen to everything. that I'm not telling you to agree with everything. Just listen to it. Hear that perspective. Keep up with a number of news sources that's giving constant updates about Omicron and, and the current situation. Just at least know what's going on. And then you can use that information to make the best decision for you and yourself. But just remember those Christian principles. Love, love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Put others before you. Deny yourself. Uh, die to self and and don't follow self, follow others. Oh, and I forgot to add, oh yes, we're supposed to, uh, to submit ourselves to the earthly uh, authorities as much as humanly possible, right? Now I forgot to add that one because that one doesn't count anymore because, you know, the church has already abandoned that concept. We found a way to get rid of Romans 13. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start getting around to some other passages too because there's some other sins that I may want to commit that I think, you know what? I don't think that really says what it says. Roman, if, hey, if I don't have to submit to earthly authority, then why do I have to follow these other rules? And then and when I start doing them, don't condemn me because I'm going to say, hey, you don't have to follow Romans 13. I don't have to follow anything else either, Right. No, oh, no, I can't, I can't say that because you found a hermeneutical way to get around to Romans 13. Well, I can find some her- hermeneutical. I mean, by that way, we can all find a way to get around anything. Right? Hey, the Bible seems to condemn women's preachers. Well, that doesn't really count. Well, the Bible seems to say we have to submit to earthly authorities. Ah, well, that don't really count. Well, the Bible seems to say that wives should submit to their husbands. Ah, that don't really count. Yeah, we can just go on and on and on and on and on and on. But, but whenever I say that, people get offended, but that's what we have seen. But let's get to this, all right? Here we go. A COVID apology to America. This is the, the featured sermon on Sermon Audio. Let's listen to a little of this and see what, he, what direction he's going to go. Repentance is not only a requirement of Christianity, but it is also a virtue. I'm going to back that up. Uh, he says repentance is not only a requirement, it's a virtue. All right, let's see what he has to say. I, I don't know why, again, I don't know why some uh, pastors, <laughs> why, why they, they, I don't know why they record everything at such low volumes, okay? But here we go. Repentance is not only a requirement of Christianity, but it is also a virtue. Acknowledging our sin and turning from it leads to blessing in our life. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes part of something much bigger than himself. And one thing you start to become aware of when Jesus saves you is how Christianity is presented to the world by the thousands of professing churches that are out there. 
Now, I'm going to stop right here. I don't know which direction he's going. I don't know where he's going. But I will say this. When you become a Christian, you, you should learn not only how then you worry about how Christianity is presented to a lost and dying world. That is important. But you also are put forth with the idea that you have a responsibility to other people. You have to love people. You have to love your enemy. You have to put others before you. So let's make it clear. Not only are we worried about how Christianity is presented to the world, we also have a responsibility in how we treat others. And this goes down to when you go through the drive-thru, how do you talk to that person at the drive-thru? When you're ordering your food at the fast food restaurant, how do you talk to people? How do you talk to people in the grocery store? Do you treat people demonstrating love? Or are you just a jerk? I've seen many Christians just treat people like dirt in some of those public settings. I'm like, what is your issue? Like, don't you have a responsibility to, well, they don't know who I am. Well, but you're supposed to show love. How do we do that? All right. So yeah, yeah, because I, I don't want this just to be like, well, see, the church has to do this and this and this because we got to show the world that this is what's important. But we also have to show them love and concern, right? And that we're pro-life. Like there's a lot of factors to take into consideration. Let's see which direction he goes here. You start to realize that there's a, there's a, a presentation of Christianity by all these churches and when you become a Christian, you start to care about how Jesus is presented to the world. And sadly, much of what claims to be Christian is far from it in this nation and in the world. And it is a challenging thing for the true follower of Jesus to tell unbelievers that so much of what they see out there is not actually Christianity. And as such, for many a true follower of Jesus... Over this past year, the response of the professing evangelical and even reformed church during this coronavirus has been one of the most discouraging and disheartening parts of the whole year. Okay, so here we go. One of the most disheartening, discouraging parts of the whole year is how the professing church has responded to COVID. Now, which camp is he going to be in? Is he going to be like, look, those churches who would not follow any of their rules, no masks, no vaccines, that they were made, they gave a horrible representation to the world. Or is it, or is it going to be, man, those people who were masked did uh, live streaming instead of in-person services. Those people gave a horrible representation. Which camp do you think he's going to be in? Which camp? Which camp? Which camp? Because you know that's the way it's that's that's the way this has gone throughout the whole pandemic. Whichever camp you're in, the other camp did it wrong. So they did it wrong. They didn't shut down. They didn't wear a mask. They didn't get vaccine. They gave a horrible representation to the gospel. No, they 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 wore masks. They shut down. They're a bunch of they're they're not even saved. They're not even Christians. Which direction do you think this is going to go? What what, what do you think? We we could. I, not that we should gamble, but I'm saying if we, we, if we put money down on this, what, which side do you think it's going to go? I mean, I mean, allegorically speaking, illust for illustration purposes, if we were to bet, which side do you think this is going to go? I, I have my suspicions, but we'll wait and see. Remember, I don't like to listen to these things in advance because I don't like to rehearse my responses. So I just, I saw this today as being the featured sermon and immediately knew that I was going to have to add this to our discussion about the daily podcast and about everything else going on with Omicron because it just, it fits in perfectly with there's what the world is saying, 
Now, here's what the church is saying on the very same day. So, so let's, let's see which direction he's going to go. Because he, obviously he believes one side owes an apology to America. Dealing with government overreach, media-induced fear, and hysteria without end would have been bad enough. But the one place where Christians should have been able to find refuge from that spirit, from that mindset, from that worldview, was within the church. There, within the church, believers should have found a different spirit, a spirit of faith and trust and courage, a spirit of freedom and peace. Believers... Now, let me just say this again. Because it's very important. I don't know which direction he's going to go. But every time I hear, well, in the church, there should have been faith. There shouldn't have been fear. There should have been freedom. Okay. Now I I start hearing this freedom, faith. I kind of know which direction. I think I know which direction it's going to go. Let me just say this. I saw so many Christians running around faith over fear, faith over fear, not getting a vaccine, not wearing a mask, but I own 17 guns in case someone breaks into my house at night so that I can kill them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So no mask because of a pandemic, but guns in case of a break-in. Have you looked at the statistics of the area in which you live to see if your concern about a break-in is warranted? Because I don't think that many people die from home invasions, well, especially here in the middle of nowhere, Texas. So, so what are the percentages? Let's play the percentage game, right? So you got to carry that gun to Walmart, got that concealed carry, you know, got, got that concealed carry, maybe even an open carry license. I got to make sure I have that gun when I go to Walmart because there's been, there's been mass shootings. Well, what's your chances of dying of a mass shooting? Are we going to play the little per, the percentage game that Christians love to play in the middle of a pandemic? Well, your chances don't seem, I don't, I don't think you should carry a gun. That seems like you, you're placing fear over faith. Hey, no, I'm not going to wear a mask, faith over fear, but I'm going to make sure I, I don't know, I'm going to own a gun in case someone breaks in. I'm, I'm going to wear my seatbelt. I'm going to have life insurance. I'm going to have insurance on my house in case it burns down with a fire and it can be replaced. You sure do take a lot of precautions for a lot of things. Where's your faith over? Oh, faith over fear only applies to COVID. Not anything else. Okay, I got, I got you. 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 Okay, makes makes perfect sense. Makes perfect. I don't know if that's the direction he's going to go, but whenever I hear that, I always have to stop and go. Wait a minute. Okay, that sounds super spiritual. How come we don't apply that to every area of life? I don't need life insurance. I don't need. I don't need insurance on my home. I don't need any of that. Go to the doctor for my annual physical. Give me a break. I'm not going to get my labs drawn. I'm not going to do anything because I got faith over fear until, well, I'm almost dying and have to go to the hospital because I didn't catch these medical issues that were developing. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. But hey, hey, faith over, hey, faith over fear. Why go to the hospital when your heart stops beating? Why? Why? Why call 911 if you can't breathe? Faith over fear. Yeah. See, there's a limit to that, right? There's always a limit to that. It's funny how we throw out our cliches, but when the cliches are thrown back at us, we get greatly offended about that. Well, why do we get offended? We got to think these things through, but maybe we should be careful when we start throwing out these cliches for the world to hear because we end up looking foolish. Should have been able to point to the church, the called out ones, the faithful ones, 
and said to a watching world, Behold, there is something otherworldly. There is something different from the world. Now, I will say amen to this. I do believe in the middle of the pandemic, the world should have been able to look to the church and go, there's something different there. There is a different perspective. There is love. There is concern. There's an eternal perspective there. They've got the message of peace. They've got the gospel. They should have. All, all what I think all they, they, when they looked to the church, all they heard was, no, no, not going to do this, not going to do that. No, no, no. And fight, 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 fight. That, that seems like, you know, wait, is that the church or is that a, a UFC cage fight? I, I, I don't know which it is. Okay. Okay. A little bit of hyperbole, but you get the idea. But I do agree. The church should have been the one place that there was something different about our approach. We were not, we're not fighting and yelling like the world was. There should be something different. Now, you can argue, was there something different? He doesn't believe there was something different. He believes, obviously, the church, it was discouraging to see how the church responded. So he believes it was. I believe it was. Why does he think it was discouraging? Why do I think it was discouraging? I don't know if we're going to have the same conclusion, but I definitely want to hear his perspective. Sadly, that wasn't the case for most churches in the United States and perhaps the world. Uncertainty, fear, cancellations of fellowship, mask requirements, and social distance regulations thrived in the church just as much as they did in the world. There you have it. If you had mask requirements, social distancing, or canceled services, boom, you showed fear. You acted just like the people in the world. I, I, I figured this is where it was going. I figured this is where it was going. And, and trust me, it's not going to get any better. So I, I've seen this so many times. If, you, if you're online and, you, and people find out that your church, well, you're going to cancel services or have masks or do it. Boom, you're not a Christian. You're, you're, you're living in fear. You're living in fear. You're living in fear. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's, that's good. Hey, uh, I think your cholesterol level is like, I don't know, 9,000. Maybe you should take some medication to lower your cholesterol. Well, thank you, doctor. Wait, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Why did you get your cholesterol checked? Why, why? Why are you going to take medication to lower it? Faith over fear, buddy. Don't be doing it. Don't take any precautions, okay? That many people, I mean, how many people die because of high cholesterol? I mean, the percentages are probably comparably small compared to other things, right? I mean, See, this, this is what happened. See, you, you did it wrong. If, if you were concerned, you're, you're fearful. If you took precautions, you didn't have faith. So you did it wrong. You're, you're, you're the ungodly side. Yeah. That, 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 that's, this, is where, this is where the church has been, and this is where it's going to continue to go. And it's, it's, it's maddening. But let's see, let's see if he's going to, maybe he's going to talk about the other side. Maybe he'll talk about the other side, right? Because you could talk about the other side. Well, what did they demonstrate? A lot of people in the world, let's make it very clear. A lot of people in the world looked at churches who took no precautions, who seemed to flaunt you know, any of the restrictions as being uncaring, unloving, and basic jerks. So the, the world also had an opinion about the churches who didn't follow any of the rules as well. You want to talk about, remember, he started off about how the world perceives it. Many in the world looked at the church and was like, whoa, thank you so very much for not caring about anybody but yourselves, right? We have to follow, hey, 
the, the strip club down the street, they have to follow the rules. The movie theater has to follow the rules. The comedy club has to follow the rules. The concert hall has to follow the rules, but you don't. So, so the world may look at like, what, what, may, what makes you so special? Now, I can understand. You say, well, it's the worship of God. And I agree. So then you have to say, wait a minute. How can we worship God and yet demonstrate that we take this seriously and we are concerned and we care? How can we do this to the best of our ability so that we show the community that we do care about them? What can we do? How can we work it out? But there's no middle, there's no middle ground here because to do that then would be compromise and then you're not spiritual and Oh, the whole thing is a train wreck. Let, let's continue on. I've entitled this message, A COVID Apology to America on Behalf of the Evangelical Church. A COVID Apology to America on Behalf of the Evangelical Church. As you can imagine, it's not going to be a typical sermon. This is what I believe the professing evangelical and reformed church should say to America, to a watching world, to the unbelievers around us. And of course, she should not only say these things, but she should change her course accordingly. So here's the apology, the COVID apology to America on behalf of the evangelical church. And there's seven parts to this apology. America, we're sorry. We had a once-in-a-lifetime, perhaps, opportunity to show you how different Christianity is from the world, and we failed. We failed. Years ago, Leonard Ravenhill said, the world out there is not waiting for a new definition of Christianity. It's waiting for a new demonstration of Christianity. Now, let me stop right here. On one hand, I agree that the church had a great opportunity in the middle of a pandemic to demonstrate Christianity. But the question is, nobody agrees within Christianity what that demonstration should look like. Because some people say the demonstration is, we're not going to follow any rules. We're not going to wear any mask. We're not going to social distance. We're not going to get vaccinated. We're not going to do anything. But we're going to have church and we're going to take an offering. Now you say, well, maybe they wouldn't say it exactly that way. I know, but that was the attitude, right? So others would say, well, wait a minute. Maybe the way to demonstrate Christianity to the world is to say, hey, we take this serious. We take your health serious. We're going to do everything we can to ensure that we don't spread it. We're going to do, we still feel that we need to worship God. We're going to take precautions. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to limit this. We may have people wear a mask. We're going to do, we're going to encourage people to get vaccinated. We're going to do this. We're going to do everything we can to try to handle ourselves in a godly way. So the question is, I agree that people don't need a new definition of Christianity. They need an actual demonstration of it. But what does a demonstration of Christianity look like in the middle of a pandemic? Let me go back through the basic elements. Showing love to others, showing love to your enemies, putting others before yourself, denying yourself, dying to self, not following yourself, but following Christ and submitting to the authority that has been placed over you as much as is possible. Those are some base, those are scripture. Like that's not... That's not liberal, that's not conservative, that's not Republican, that's not Democrat. That is basic Bible 101. 
So I do agree that the world needed to see a demonstration. And I do believe that it was a great time that when all the chaos was going on, that the church could really, really like, okay, what can we do to disciple people? What can we do? What can we do? Because at the beginning of the pandemic, Bible sales were going through the roof. So where was the church turning on? I don't know, their microphone saying, okay, help. Well, you're starting to read the Bible. Let us help disciple you. Let us do Bible studies with you. Like we could have been using every opportunity. We we could have been looking for opportunities. Hey, church, you're going to maybe, you're going to be in lockdown. You're going to have extra time to maybe to do devotionals. We're going to, we're going to turn on microphones and record podcasts and do live broadcasts to give you uh, Bible studies to help you. We're going to use this as a time to really look at ourselves as a church to see where we are spiritually. We're going to really focus on where we are spiritually. Yet there was a lot of things the church could have done during that time, not only to demonstrate Christianity, but in order to repent and to to grow spiritually in the midst of it. So I do agree that there needs to be a demonstration. The problem is nobody can agree what that demonstration was to look like. And that's why the church is so divided. Those many churches who took precautions would be saying, we're demonstrating love for others. And others would be like, absolutely not. What you're demonstrating is that you're a coward and that you're afraid and that you're a liberal and that you believe this nonsense. What you need to do is listen to Alex Jones and realize this is all a lie and you need to not follow any of the rules. Okay, well, so so which is it? What What is the correct demonstration? Everyone listening to me right now, I guarantee you there is no agreement even amongst the people listening to this live broadcast. I guarantee you there is no agreement. Well, how are we going to demonstrate Christianity when Christians themselves can't even agree on what a demonstration of Christianity should look like during a pandemic? Wouldn't we have to come to an agreement on what that demonstration is before we can demonstrate it? Because if we're debating what that demonstration is, then we can't demonstrate it because we're debating, we're not demonstrating. It's not waiting for a new definition of Christianity, but a new demonstration of Christianity. The COVID debacle of 2020 and 2021 was the perfect opportunity for us as the professing evangelical and reformed church to give you that new demonstration of Christianity. Let me make it very clear. It's not the COVID debacle. It's the COVID pandemic that has killed over 800,000 people in America and has killed millions globally. Let's make sure we call it what it is. It's, it's, you may want to call it a COVID debacle as as far as you believe the church mishandled it, but let's make sure we realize it's a pandemic. Now you're going to say, I don't believe the numbers. Well, if you want to go full blown Alex Jones conspiracy theory, you know, Hey, Hey, that the Sandy Hook uh, mass shooting, it wasn't real. It was crisis actors. You know, 9-11 was, was fake too. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's exactly what Alex Jones would say about 9-11, but you get the idea. We can go full blown conspiracy theory, or we can say, man, a lot of people got sick and died. That's a tragedy. That's not a debacle. That's a tragedy, right? If 10 people get shot at a fast food restaurant, that's not a debacle. That's a tragedy. If one kid gets killed at high school because someone brings a gun to school, that's not a debacle. That's a tragedy. Now, I understand you may use the term debacle and the mishandling of it. I can understand that. But I just want to make it very clear. We got to call it a pandemic before we call it a debacle, unless you don't believe that it it was really that serious and it was all overhyped and overblown and it was nothing to worry about. But all right, let's continue. 
We could have shown you what it means to live free from fear. We could have shown you what it means to value spiritual things more than material things. We could have shown you that Christians are different. Instead, most evangelical churches acted just like the world. Our profession of faith made little difference in our lives. Our churches closed their doors just like the Lions Club and the community bingo night. It's too late for us to change how we responded. It's too late for us now to change how we responded. But the least we can do is to say that we're sorry. And so here's seven things we're sorry for, America. Number one, we're sorry we contradicted so much of what we had told you previously. Prior to the coronavirus, we told you that it was vital for Christians to gather together and fellowship. We preached about passages such as Hebrews 10:25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We told you about Christians throughout church history who were willing to meet despite the dangers of persecution, oppression, and even death. We held these men and women up as examples of faithfulness. And then, when the coronavirus struck us, we scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Forgive us. Forgive us. Now, here we go. Shutdowns. That, that we contradicted everything. We contradicted everything. Okay, now, a couple of things here. First of all, I find it interesting that many of these churches who complain about everyone shutting down for COVID will have no problem shutting down for all kinds of other events, all right? Cancel this service, cancel this service, cancel this service. We got we to gotta cancel this. We can't be, okay, we're going to change our schedule for summer to winter. We're going to, we're going to, they cancel for all kinds of things, but okay, okay. So here's the situation. So in the middle of a pandemic, now you compare it to people in the early church who was killed for going to church. All right, let me make it very clear. The issue about canceling services wasn't about necessarily us. It was about us becoming then spreaders of a virus that could kill other people. It wasn't about us. Be, it would be one thing if, well, if Christians meet, they're the only ones who'll die because they get COVID. That's one thing. But when you meet in the church, you get it, and then you take it outside of the church to a world who doesn't want it, now you're not giving them the gospel, you're giving them a virus. I think there's a big difference there. If it's like, no, if Christians meet, they'll die from COVID. Okay, then Christians can decide to meet because we have faith over fear, and then if we die, so be it. But it wasn't about that. It was about how we could impact other people, how we could impact a community, how we could impact a healthcare system being overwhelmed in some locations, not all, but in some locations. So there's a difference there. There is a difference. And the issue is, again, yes, so there's, there was closed down. There were lockdowns and shutdowns because other things were being shut down as well. Now he says, well, we shouldn't have done it because we should have demonstrated to the world that we thought church was more important than all of these other things. Let me make it very clear. The world was not perceiving it. Oh, you think church is more important than anything else. You were thinking, you selfish jerks, you don't care about spreading it through the community. They wouldn't have seen it going, look at that. Look at that church. They care about meeting at church more than they No, the world would have looked at it as what are you doing? 
So let's not, let's not think that the church, the world would have been like, praise God. Thank you for showing me that church is important. The world, you're going to, you're putting this on like how the world would have perceived it. The world would not have perceived it that way. But let me make it very clear. Not in every community, not in every state, but there were plenty of places where you could have continued to have church without any problems. And in many cases, the, all, the, all, the only thing they required is mask, social distancing, and to limit the number of people who came in. The fact is, we were, many churches were unwilling to even follow those rules. So stop acting like, well, you know, we couldn't have church. No, in many cases, they said you can just follow these rules. But I watched it happen. Oh, wait, we're gonna have to wear a mask? I'm not coming. Well, Man, you are godly. Let me tell you, 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 you're not, hey, if I have to do something I don't want, I'm not going to show up. Well, man alive, I don't even know where to put, rank your godliness. Way to put others before yourself. Way, way to deny yourself. Way to just show people how godly you are. The point is many churches could have met by simply following some basic rules and not even had a problem. Now, in other locations, they shut everything down. Now, if they shut everything down, I got no problem going, mm, I don't know about this. So then what can you say? You want us to shut down? Well, we let, let's just, let's go this for, for a hypothetical. We cannot do that. You contact the local community, you the civil authorities say, look, we understand what you're asking us to do, but we believe biblically we cannot do that. Here is what we will do. We will enforce masks. We will social distance. We will make sure that we limit the number of people to this percentage based on what other communities are doing. And we we will do that. We will extend the number of services we have, but we will follow those guidelines for every service. And we ask you to come and look at what we're doing and seeing the precautions that we're going to take. You still may get mad at us. You still may punish us, but we want to demonstrate to you that we're doing everything in our power to maintain Commitment to our faith, at the same time, we want to demonstrate love for the community. It's not either or. We want to show commitment to Christ, but we want to show love to community. Why couldn't churches just do those basic concepts? Right? Why Why couldn't we just find a way to work those? Many churches could have worked those situations out. Would I say it would be, am I saying it would be easy? I'm not saying it was going to be easy. Am I going to say it was going to require some sacrifice and difficulty? It could. It could require a pastor to have to do a little bit more work. Instead of preaching one time a day, he may have to preach five, six, seven times a day. Instead of preaching once a week, he may have to preach five, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times a week. You could have done that, and then you could have used technology as well. You could have used technology. You could have used all you had to do was, but see, the thing is, it's, it's this either or mentality. Some churches were forced to lock down, some of them took it to court and won. I got no problem doing that. In the meantime, follow the rules, fight it in court, and then do. And then if you are going to disobey the rules, at least disobey the rules, demonstrating that you're going to take all the precautions you can to ensure the safety of everyone, people present and people in the community. I, I, every time I try to present my position, I am either labeled a liberal or a crazy right-wing conservative. It's like, no, I'm just trying to be biblical here. There are two concepts here. Commitment to Christ, faithfulness to Christ, and love for our neighbors. 
demonstrating Christianity to our neighbors is more than just saying, we had a church service. And they're like, yeah, but you canceled, you canceled church for a 4th of July picnic. You canceled church for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, look at all the different things churches cancel uh, uh, church services for. Now, I know what people say. Well, that was a one-time event. But the point is, if you can cancel it for insignificant things, you can't cancel it for a pandemic temporarily. You say, well, we didn't know how long it was going to last. Oh, I agree. I agree that there, that canceling and locking everything down was not the greatest choice, not even the best choice. I agree. And in many cases, it may have been even the wrong choice. But there is a there was a clear, like, we got to find a balance there. And it's like, there seems to be no balance here. There seems to be no balance. We, we could have done a number of things. Now, I'm going to have to stop there because I'm in an hour and one, uh, I'm one hour and 11 minutes. I have embedded that this COVID apology, theologycentral.net. Go listen to it. Listen to the daily. That's the world saying, hey, here's what's coming. And then in a roundabout way, what he's making an apology saying now churches need to change their ways. And this gets posted today on the threshold of an absolute tsunami of Omicron and another wave of the pandemic. Many churches are not going to follow any of the rules in this new wave. Many of your churches that you go to are going to say, nope, we're not following any of the rules. You want to come to church, you come to church and you face the consequences if you get COVID. We don't care. And I, and I just, I can't speak for anybody else, but I would, I would be devastated if someone came into my church, contact, contracted COVID here and then died. Now you can say, well, you're a coward. You're a fool. I w- I'm sorry. It's the middle of a pandemic and there's been 900 warnings. It would be, it would be like, to me, it would be just as foolish when someone said, hey, look, I don't know if you realize this. There's a wildfire it's about two miles from your church. I know you've got church scheduled tonight, but you need to tell everyone to cancel services because that fire is going to destroy the building. No, 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 no. Faith over fear. We're going to have church. And then everyone burns to death. I think I have a responsibility as a shepherd, not only to try to protect people spiritually, but I think that there's some obligation to go, man, I don't want to be the, the a place spreading this, killing either people in my church or possibly killing people in the community, which would even be worse because now we're killing possibly unbelievers. Now, I know there's a balance there. I know there's got to be a balance, but everything is either or in these conversations. I think that the churches should have been doing everything they could to have church using everything available to them technology, social distancing, spreading it out over multiple services, doing everything, being creative, being creative, coming up with all kinds of ways of of, of accomplishing it. And I think churches should have been using technology. And people say, well, that's not church. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it should be a replacement, but I know this, 
Well, everything's being locked down and craziness. You can be on that microphone Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, preach, preach, Bible study, Bible study, doctrinal study, theology, church history, teach, 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 until you lose your voice and fall on the floor and collapse. And many of those churches have a staff of 9,000 people. They could probably do 24 hours a day, seven days a week broadcasting and not even run out of people. In other words, there was a million things that could have been done. I'm not saying all of those were perfect. I'm not saying all of those things were perfect, but I'm saying that there were things we could have done where you demonstrated commitment to Christ and yet love to neighbor. Both has to be spoken of. Here's what I know. The world right now is telling us it's going to get bad. I don't know if they're right. I don't know if they're wrong. I know that we need to be paying attention and cautious. At least today on Sermon Audio, we're being told, hey, the church did everything wrong before, so we need to do things differently moving forward. You can determine if what they're calling for people to do differently, is it the right way or the wrong way? You draw that conclusion. I just don't think we need to put everything in an either or camp. There's got to be a middle where we can find balance. You go listen to the COVID apology and you tell me what you think. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. I want to hear your thoughts and opinions on it. And you can tell me which parts that you think I need to listen to. And maybe we'll come back and do more of a review on it. But I wanted you to hear both of these and both uh, make sure both of them are available. Theologycentral.net. Go to the blog section. This is, a, this is what we're going to be facing, right? Whether we like it or not. I know it's December the 19th. Everybody's worried about Christmas. But I'm telling you, the next eight weeks, this eight Eight weeks, maybe going even further than that. This is going to be the issue. And it's going to, once again, tear churches apart. And everyone's going to have their opinion that they're doing it the right way and everyone else is doing it the wrong way. Now, obviously, I have my own opinions about the right and the wrong way. I understand that. I just think that what we can do, instead of making it either or, we just go, well, what can we do in the middle? And I think that there should have been some ways to do it in the middle, but I'll stop there. Everyone have a great evening, a great week. I don't know what the schedule is going to look like this week of me being here. We'll see. I'll be here when I can. We'll do what we can. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk uh, in the next couple of days. I may not be here tomorrow or I may come. I don't know. I may take tomorrow off, uh, but I'll definitely be here Tuesday. So uh, if not, we'll talk Tuesday. If I am here tomorrow, it may just be for a short period of time. I have a feeling my email inbox is already filling up with people who are going to be very mad about this. But I, I hope I, I offered a, a somewhat balanced perspective trying to just demonstrate this. But you can listen and you can let me know. All right. Email me newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, theologycentral.net, blog section, listen to the daily, listen to the, uh, the COVID apology, or you can just go directly to Sermon Audio. It is the featured sermon that will be there. I think it stays there till like midnight and then it'll switch over to the new sermon. So you can go download it really quick, uh, Sermon Audio, um, or you can just download the Sermon Audio app. However you want to get it, there's a million ways to get it. Do listen to it. I want you to listen to everything he has to say and just try to think about what is a, is there a balanced, is there, is there something in the middle here? Right? I know that sounds crazy, but I, I just think usually the truth somewhere is in the middle, and I think maybe there's, there's got to be a balance here. All right. All right. I can't wait to hear everyone's perspective. Everyone have a great night. God bless.